0: They're really getting confidence now. It is for the <laughs> and the ball taken out by West Virginia back the other way. The Mountaineers took it out of his hands.
1: The Ryan Reds are going to wrap this one up in easy fashion.
2: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Cuddy and the Cooge. We are back today with another guest. Basically, summer's halfway over here in upstate New York.
0: It's flying.
1: Yeah, it's flying by, Coos. And <laughs> this week's big week though in, in Saratoga Springs. We got the, the horse racing season coming up. Yep. All the way till the Labor Day. So that, that's big news here in Saratoga. So we're looking forward to that. And looking forward here to chatting with an old friend, colleague, and 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 now we're in the same class at the UNLV Athletic Hall of Fame. Um, Jim had the opportunity to be there and of course we, you all know the story I couldn't go but I want to welcome Jim Wrights um, to our show Jim was the men and women swimming coach at UNLV during my time actually got there a couple years before me and we pretty much ended about the same time but he spent 35 years the longest tenured head coach in the history of UNLV and uh, Jim welcome thanks for taking the time to be with us
3: thank you Good to see you. This is pretty high-fangled technology here for us <laughs> old guys. So
1: no, we're very very low-key. You don't have to worry about that. So, so Jim, you know, I, when uh, you and I started back at UNLV, you know, everything was kind of really in its infancy. Your your swimming pool, by the way, for our listeners, you know, the, it, it's the swimming pool is named after Jim now, which is a great honor. And uh, congratulations on that. But swimming pool still stands in the same place. And my athletic training room was right next door for a number of years. So I'd sometimes walk over and sneak into the pool and watch a little practice and sniff some chlorine and and, <laughs> and go back to my office. But uh, those were the good old days, Jim. And, and, you know, you, you know, your career is obviously, Harold, like I said, you were voted into the UNLV athletic hall of fame. And, uh, I know you were heck the conference coach of the year for like 15 or 16 times. Uh, you've coached all Americans. You've had kids swim in the Olympics, the world games and all that. And so now that we're both kind of retired, I guess reflect on your career a little bit and what all that meant. And, and, uh, and do you miss it? Do you not miss it? Are you, are you, you know, good moving on?
3: So I miss some things. I miss the kids. I don't miss the budget meetings. <laughs> now that's a surprise. <laughs> don't miss recruiting. It's all social media nowadays. So crazy. And I'm still in the sport as a hobby. I coach some kids. So I get my fix of coaching. But... It was so improbable when I started. I was moved to Vegas in 76, teach high school and coach Sandpiper club team. Taking over from Danny Cahill, who was a famous character in the history of Vegas and high school football in Vegas. Anyway, coaching and the the coach, Wes Mock. Decided to quit about a week into the season. They had nobody, and so asked me if they want to be the interim coach, and they hired me for $6,000. And then a year later, Brad Rutherwell had to make a call to rehire me after the girls went in about once every two weeks to try to get me fired. (laughs) He told this story in banquets many times. The redeeming factor was they thought I worked them too hard. Brad really liked that. Right. (laughs) So there I was, another 34 years. And, you know, we, our total budget didn't equal the soup budget of the big teams, Florida, Texas. And so one time we had a meet in Pepperdine University. I just told the guys I'd meet them down there. They got in their cars and drove down and swam, and I guess we drove back. They may have stayed and gone surfing, but big game changer was Thomas and Mac. The revenue from Thomas and Mac caused us to have some scholarships, increase our numbers, and then it was a brutal couple of years because we increased from 15 to 50 kids, but I didn't get any extra staff. So a couple of years later, we had extra staff, and then really took
1: off. Yeah. Well, the, I, I know those, um, those years when I first got there in 82, you know, th- that whole Tarkanian run and Thomas and Mac opening up and, uh, you know, it, it was a real boom for all of us. I mean, even in athletic training, you know, I, I remember, uh, Harvey Hyde was the head football coach and I remember, he, you know, I had to go down to him. I think we we're like, you know, three games left in the season and I had to go down and say, hey, Harv, I, I don't have any more tape. I don't have any more supplies, you know, I think the first couple of years until we finally caught up to where we needed to be, you know. And and so you compound that over, you know, 15, 16 sports, you know, we were down to almost nothing, you know, by the time, almost by the time we got into January when the spring sports and winter sports like swimming were just starting up. So we were kind of – and you know th- and, and I've said this a million times, thank God for people like you know Gerald Higgins and gary marone and and those guys, because I, I can't even tell you the amount of money that they would give me to get through you know the rest of the season sometimes, so we had supplies to take care of student athletes and then of course, once Brad got settled in and I you know became the head trainer, then it got a lot better. you know, Brad understood the needs, and just like you i you know I had two assistants when I got there, you know, and then we were able to get graduate assistance, more, you know, more supplies, more equipment. So that was a fun time though. It was kind of, you know, like in your case, same thing. You got to build your program from the ground up, you know, basically.
3: Yes. One of the best things about it was that nobody knew where the pool was. Right. And <laughs> you know, I hadn't swum in college and I hadn't coached in college. So I knew nothing except coaching swimming, all the bureaucracy, the budget, everything. And fortunately, school was growing so fast, everything was sort of the Wild West. It was a little bit of chaos, if you remember those days. And Charlotte Summers would say, Jim, you're over budget. And Brad would say, don't worry about it. (laughs) We'll take care of you. (laughs) And then... We never worried about the stuff we didn't have. So a couple years later, First All-American is on their ward stand in Indianapolis. And the guy next to me, he goes, who is that? Is that an imposter? And that's because Tim was standing there in his gray Russell sweats with stenciled lettering. Next to u c l a in Texas with their two hundred dollar in these sweats, and it he looked like Rocky Balboa just came out of the hood, and <laughs> that was sort of our mantra. You know we didn't need anything. We'll race anybody anywhere and so fast forward years later, when we had a budget crisis, ain't no difference to us cause we didn't have anything
0: anyway, so <laughs> yeah.
1: you certainly got a lot accomplished with a very little that that's for sure. And, and, uh, and, you know, I mean literally for those years until we, you know, the lead complex was built like we, you know, it was really a very small division one program. Cause we shared the facility with PE, you know, so, uh, it was, it was definitely an interesting time, you know, and, uh, certainly brings back a lot of memories for me, you know, talking to you cause, we kind of grew up together in that little back hole there and, you know, with the swimming pool and the training room and all that stuff. So.
3: Thank you. You Really described that perfectly. You know, we had two offices on the pool deck NYSP would bring 300 kids in summer program with their boom boxes, 10 feet from my office. (laughs) And when we went to the weight room, we shared it about half the time with football. Yeah. So here's my 120-pound girls next to Randy, Rizzo, may you rest in peace. Yeah. Some of these guys. And you know, Harvey, Harvey was amazing. You know, I would see him 15 years later at the airport, and he was one of the very few people who actually knew who I was. Jim, how are you? Of course, that's yeah. Harvey. He's,
1: yeah. That's
2: awesome. Um, so, Jim, how did you get into swimming? Did you swim growing up, or how did that, how did swimming come into your life? Well,
3: I lived in the land of perpetual rain,
0: <laughs> Seattle,
3: Washington. <laughs> it's a little summer club up the hill that we joined and we swam on this team. And the guy who, had the idea and ran it. Son was a swimmer and I was a what they called a cleanup boy. I washed the floors and stuff because Jim, my friend Bob Miller across town is, is having a work day to hire somebody. Eight guys showed up and I didn't have a car or a bike so I just took off running. Six and a half <laughs> miles later I showed up and Bob found out I ran and hired me on the spot. Wow! As he was a fanatical marathon runner
0: Mm.
3: and one of the top modern pentathletes in the world, he, one of the owners of Cascade Management Service, that ran about 35 clubs. So, no lifeguard credentials. Hired me as lifeguard, and about three or four weeks later, the pool manager got fired for reasons which I will not disclose. And they put me in charge of this little team. Nine kids. Ready, go. Swim to this end. Ready, go. And they swim back to this end. And do nothing. So for the next, I just turned 16. And I became a assistant coach when I went to university of the lowest group of 650-person team, and remember working for, I told this at the Hall of Fame thing, I was living in a pool that was closed for the winter, no hot water, making $114 a month coaching little kids. Wow. Here I am, 56 years later, coaching little kids again.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, go, kind of goes full circle, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> it does you know? And I never thought that. But when I retired in 2015, it's no secret I was very ill. I had terminal scarring. I was terminal. I could drop dead any second from pulmonary pressure. And if I hadn't, you would have been going to my wake instead of sitting here talking. So I'm happy. But I went from 100 miles an hour to zero. In a week. That year was brutal. I'm up at six in the morning and pacing. And so, about a year later, when I've gotten better, and thanks to National Jewish Health in Denver, which I'm going to tomorrow for semi annual testing. So amazing, of all people with dick Hecker. Remember that name?
1: I remember the name, yes. Yeah.
3: First, First UNLV swimming coach, 1975.
1: Yep, 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 okay.
3: He made it a number of years. We call him the godfather of swimming. So at breakfast, he's a real estate agent. He goes, Jim, why don't you join me? And Of course, he didn't know anything about it, and that wasn't possible because he's a one-person shop. But a week later, I was enrolled in key real estate school, Got my license, and ever since then, I've been selling real estate for Caldwell Bankers. So (laughs) that's one step, and I'm a complete outlier because if money really mattered, I would not have been a swimming coach. So I'm in the helping people business. So I try to keep a low profile, and I any of you local people that see this,
1: give you a call.
0: <laughs>
3: anyway, and then a couple months later, I still was the president. I still, to this day, am the president CEO of Team Rebel Aquatics, nonprofit that we started in '93 when we purchased the club, the Las Vegas Gold Swim Team, for a dollar. That's all other story. So we lost a coach. And I filled in to coach these little kids. I had so much fun. I hired myself. (laughs) Seven years in, I'm still doing it. Six years. Awesome. So between those two things, I keep my sanity and keep myself out of my wife's hair to some degree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I tell you, Jim, when I you know, going back to my days there, I used to tell our staff this all the time. You know, coaches work very hard, but I always said you know, the hardest working coaches, in my opinion, was not because I'm talking to you, but was the swimming coaches. Because you guys, you know, you have a morning session, you have an afternoon session, and then in between all of that, you had your club teams. And, you know, th- and, and so you guys were there as much as we were there as athletic trainers, and, and if not more, you know. So it's, you know, for our, our listeners, you know, swim coaches just don't show up and people swim. There's a lot that goes into it. There's many hours you got to spend to be at the top and be the best. And so you certainly put in that time with those kids and with our student athletes.
3: Yes. So swimming is a year round sport. There's a winter season and there's an international season long course. So you take two weeks off in late April, early May, and you start again. Yeah. So we had morning workout. It's winter class, and we had weights at dryland, and then we had afternoon workout, and then we had recruiting. I only coached club in the summer. Otherwise, I would have run out of hours in the day, yeah. but I remember being there at 1030 at night, and Kunio Kono, our famous sprint coach, is now at a university in Japan coaching he shouted coach you still there and i go yep he goes you know it's 10
2: <laughs> wow
3: and we'd started at i get up about four thirty in the morning
2: oh my gosh
3: get to a yeah. 5 45 yeah. practice so we we were nuts i mean that was crazy stuff yeah coaching can be as we all know it can be so toxic mm-hmm. and.
1: It, it really can. But, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, swimming is one of those sports that, you know, unlike some of the other sports, it's hard to take a break in swimming, you know, to, to keep up the aerobics, the anaerobics and, and all those in the strength. I mean, you can't, you can't take like two months off or three months off, you know? So, so it's uh it's a, you really gotta be, a, if you want to be a swimmer, at that level, you really got to be committed to it. I mean, I used to think those kids were crazy. It's a little bit like wrestling, you know, wrestling is a little bit like that, you know? Yes. So
3: never forget Tark's comment. He was talking about assistant coaches. He goes, I never want to hire assistant coaches that have a camper and golf clubs (laughs)
0: because
3: he expected them to work all the time. And of course, I had 11 assistant coaches who became college head coaches. Wow. That was, those were probably the 11 people who were the most humble to do the things nobody else wanted to do and get down and dirty and make the program run. There's a lot of assistant coaches who want to do the glamour stuff and have me sit in the office and do paperwork. And of course crazy. I'd still in touch with a lot of those. Chris Hansen, who's at Bakersfield. Yeah. Current coach, Ben Lures, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've had some really good ones that have went through. You mentioned Cuneo and you know, he, he was during my time there, he was really great. A lot of fun to be around, very energetic guy. And it was, it was pretty cool. So.
2: Jim, I want to go back to, um to what kind of your time in Seattle and how you got started with swim, because it's, it's a different path than most people. Most people, you know, like grow up playing the sport. They always wanted to be a coach. Whereas you, it seems like you kind of just fell into it. But did you actually ever swim? Like, it sounds like you just kind of like got this job and then became a coach. But did you actually ever get into the sport?
3: I was the runner up to future Olympic silver medalist in the Summer Swim League when I was 12. That's the entire claim to fortune <laughs> of my swimming career.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good, though. <laughs> All right.
3: His name was Rick Kalella. His sister was Olympic medalist. They <laughs> swam on the club that I coached. And crazy thing was that... The head coach of the club that I coached went and started another club, and they basically showed me the door because I was sort of a radical, long-haired, hippie, crazy guy. (laughs) And two parents said, come on, Jim, we're going to start a club. One of them had connections to the mayor of Seattle, and... I just sat in the corner while they worked out a deal for a pool, and we started a team with 42 kids nobody else wanted. And and it's funny because about that time, I was asked to coach Nathan Hale High School. I was 18 years old. A couple of my swimmers were 18 years old. <laughs> I mean, it was it's the most improbable journey. We had a twenty-yard, four-lane pool in a bubble. It was a swim school heated to 90 degrees. Wow. That was our training pool. As assistant coach, Bob Millerwood had his seniors there, and he had those were future Olympians, senior national qualifiers, six kids to a lane two and a half feet. They'd stand up in the terms. They'd hold hands under the lane lines. They were, and then he gave them to me once a week when he had a grad class. That almost drove me out of the sport.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I had a kid, had a six-year-old say, come on, coach, hit me. My dad's an attorney. He'll suit. Oh, okay. oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That's those, were, those were the days. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was my baptism by fire.
1: <laughs> hey, Jim, I, I, I will say this, and, um, and you probably remember better than me, but one of the neatest presentations or honor, whatever, ceremonies is a better word, that I remember at UNLV, I believe it was down at the Student Union, and you had four swimmers that went to the Olympics for, I think it was either two different countries or three different countries. And we on, well, we, I mean, the university honored them. I think it was after the competition or maybe before they went. Do you remember that? I thought that was so neat, um, how they did that.
3: Yeah. I'm thinking I, we're talking about the, the hall of fame induction. So we had Bart and Sally, both Olympic trials. But neither made the Olympic team. Bart missed it by this much. And we had Lorena, Kikinescu, and Janssen Simon, who came here. Janssen was such a dark horse, he had to make the Olympic team twice because he made it here and then he came back, made it again. The most Olympians we ever had was in 2000. We had Seven Olympians from six different countries that swam at UNLV. And the highest placing was Mike Mintenko,
1: Yeah, I remember that. From
3: Canada. And then Lorena's Relay got a fourth, my got fifth individual event. But, you know, it's funny. We've had some great swimmers over the years. And we've been pretty invisible. That's why I was... It's always a lot of dissonance when I get singled out for things like that because our sport, you never worry about stuff like that. Yeah. And of course, Wendy Myers, you know, Wendy's not in the Hall of Fame, and here's a, here's a plug for her, multi-time All-American, and she's been the women's athletic director, as you know, at the business athletic director now at University of Pittsburgh for, what, 15? Yeah. 17?
1: Well, she's, de- she's definitely deserving of it. There's no question about that. So, well, I know you're short on time and, uh, you know, we'll let you go. Cause I know, speaking of coaching, you got to go coach. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, it's a high point of my day and <laughs> no parents really get on my back. That's good. That's good pretty much unlike when i was coaching maybe it's because my name is up there on the wall
2: <laughs> yeah
3: i don't know that that makes me any smarter yeah, yeah
1: but at least at least now you got your name on the wall t- at the school and you're a hall of famer so yeah if they if they yell or scream at you you could tell them hey man yeah.
2: flash your badge
1: <laughs> yeah Show I your badge. Say, yeah,
2: you know who I am? <laughs> well, Jim, real nah. quick, one last thing before you go. And, and I asked my dad this. We, we did an episode where he was the guest and we talked about his career and being inducted into the Hall of Fame and things. And, and one of the questions that I asked him that I think it was a good one, and I, I kind of want to use this going forward. So I'll, I'll start with you, is if you can think back to your first day at UNLV, your first day as a collegiate coach what advice would you give yourself?
0: Um, yes. Yeah, so the one thing I learned
3: at great expense over the years is there are rarely crises. The sun's still going to come up the next day. My first 15 years, I needed work in my garden and therapy at the end of every year. And, <laughs> and gradually realized same things, the kids were gonna fall in and out of love. They were gonna get in trouble, this and that, and astoundingly, nearly all my five hundred Facebook friends, former swimmers, are doing astoundingly well regardless of how they did in college. And local Phenomenal coach Ron Aiken, who just had the most kids of any club coach in, in America at the World Championships. You know, we didn't talk for a lot of years, and he said, You know, I just felt bad about what a knucklehead it was in college. I mm-hmm. just had to laugh. I said, You obviously didn't know me in <laughs> <laughs> college. <laughs> and kids grow up, and that's the most gratifying thing about it. And I would have Try to tell myself to worry less, stress less. Enjoy the ride.
1: Good advice.
2: Love it. Great, great way to end the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jim, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for all the support over the years. And certainly thanks for joining us on our show. And I wish you all the best. And next time I get to Vegas, we'll definitely have to go to dinner because I wasn't able to do it for the Hall of Fame. So I'll catch you when I'm out there the next time.
3: Absolutely. And uh, my wife was just in New York, but she didn't take me. So
1: uh-huh.
3: otherwise I would have been knocking at your door a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Hey, you're welcome to do that, too. Anytime. We got a lot of room here in up upta- upstate New York. So come and see us sometime.
3: <laughs> Great. Thank All you right, Jim, for having me.
2: Thank you. Take care. Have All a right. good Thank one. Thank you, yes. Jim. Yep. See you. All right, everyone, enjoy the ride. I like that saying. Yeah. It's a good one.
1: Well, as, as you can tell, Jim is, he, he's, a, he's a very, seems like a very mild-mannered type of personality by the way he talks, but very competitive in swimming, very, you know, did a great job. One of the things I failed to mention, and I should have, and, you know, uh, that sometimes gets overlooked, but I, th- I don't know that he ever had a student athlete that didn't graduate. I mean, you know, every kid that went through his program graduated and he had kids from all over the world. So, um, great guy, great career. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's some good advice. I, I wish I would have taken that advice because I sure as heck stressed a lot my first 15 years on the job <laughs> and all, all the way through my career. So
0: yeah.
1: have a good week, everybody. And thanks again for listening to Kadena Cooge. <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Wherever you're streaming this podcast, if you would be so kind as to give us a subscribe and maybe even a review. In addition, you can find us for any updates on social media, Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Cuddy and the Cooge, Cuddy with a C, Cooge with a K.
1: Or you can email any questions or submit any feedback to Cooge at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.